everyone, welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, What Really Works listeners. It is your host, Becky, chatting to you. As you may notice, Olivia actually usually does her Hello, What Really Works listeners start to us today. And she is actually not going to be with us on the podcast today. Olivia is taking a little bit of a break from What Really Works. She is getting ready to go travel through Central and South America, so living her best life. Shout out to Olivia for everything that she has done so far um, with What Really Works. If we're lucky, she'll hop on maybe as a guest while she's just chilling in Brazil or somewhere. Who knows? So yeah, you get stuck with me today. So sorry for anyone who's really upset about that. But I have a really amazing guest joining me today. Uh, Paige, hello. Hello. So excited to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Today's a good day. I, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 for today. Let's see if we can keep it <laughs> a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Hopefully you might be like, oh God, it's a two at the end of this. Yeah, now I'm feeling real bad. Nah, oh, never. No. Never yeah. in a mill. No, this is great. No, I'm super excited for you to come join us. Yeah, because we're going to be talking about kind of what to expect with counselling today. Um, What even is counselling? And you yourself are a counsellor. That is correct. Yeah, I have a long... I've been in the mental health field forever, uh, since 2009. Um, But for years, I was a registered psychiatric nurse. I still do that uh, casually, but... As of March of 2022, I started being a registered clinical counselor and opened my own practice in Kelowna, BC. Which is super exciting. Very exciting. I absolutely love it. It's on the 11th floor, so if you like to cry with a view, I'm a girl. <laughs> so that's how I feel about that. But it's it's great. I absolutely love what I do. I guess if we're going to be talking about counseling, what it is, you are a registered clinical counselor. Yes. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> great question Becky <laughs> just throw it straight out of that of like what does this mean it's a fantastic question because um when it comes to mental health services there are so many different ways of defining them it can be based on the state the province the country we have different regulations in Canada countrywide every single country or every single province and territory is different The only provinces in Canada that are regulated are Alberta, Ontario, Quebec, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. So only five and none of the territories. So British Columbia actually does have kind of a regulatory body, but there's very limited responsibility they, they really place on us. They give us options of how to be ethical counselors. And there is a complaints department. But um, they are very limited in what they do in comparison to really regulated practices. That's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's something that absolutely blows my mind being from the UK, the tiny little island where everything is the same throughout the UK Mm -hmm. in the sense of like it's not different per area within the UK. So then it blows my mind when you come to like somewhere like Canada and it's it's not a Canada wide thing. Mm-hmm. It's a you're in this province, so like this is how this rolls. Yeah. Um does I, that even mean you would maybe become a counselor in a different a, a different way in a different province or territory, or is it kind of a similar route? The thing that with the word counselor, uh, it can be just used by anybody right now because we're not technically regulated in Ontario they're typically called uh, psychotherapists they're registered psychotherapists I if I went to Ontario could not identify myself as that unless I met the criteria of their regulating body kind of thing okay so I would have to look at what do I need to hit with clinical hours education and whatnot to be able to qualify as a psychotherapist in BC because we're not regulated although we're trying to become regulated Anyone can call themselves a counselor. Anyone can call themselves a therapist. They don't have to have any formal education whatsoever. All right. Which I guess we will delve into a little bit later. Because <laughs> I, like, 
Because then that's scary. It like, is scary. It seems, I mean, it's already going to be, it's already a scary thing mm-hmm. going and saying and talking with someone. Um, a stranger, essentially, about all your vulnerabilities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's scary when it's like, oh, like, you may have taken some training, you may not have. Mm-hmm. Um, so and yeah. if you do something that's malpractice, are you going to be held accountable? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't even think about that. Like, you kind of just presume that, oh, there's going to be some kind of, like, repercussions for, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, as a nurse, I'm very regulated. Yeah. We have to hit a certain amount of hours. We are supposed to self-assess, to continue our education. Those are expectations of us and requirements of what we have to do. Yeah. And if there was any problems with my practice, people have a place to go to complain and say, like, I think this person's practicing unsafely. And right now, as a registered clinical counselor, that's what I wanted to do to protect my clients as well, is be at the level of regulation I can. Yeah. So that if someone has concern, they have someone to bring it to. Yeah. Because I should be held accountable if I'm doing malpractice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, something like that, you just, know? Just eat, just a little something. <laughs> I'm, I'm confidently ethical. <laughs> I can 100% imagine. Jeez, Yeah. And, like, later on in the podcast, we'll definitely talk a little bit about, like, how do we work out, like, what kind of counselor is the right counselor for me, what questions we can ask, and that will also come into, like, understanding, okay, like, what qualifications does someone have, and what things do I really value um, when it comes to that kind of stuff, right? Because I'm presuming every counselor is going to be very unique. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, I'm not wanting to discredit any of the people who do identify themselves as counselors, because I believe that a lot of people who do not have the same credentials as I do, like I've got a master's in counseling psychology, plus my years of being a nurse, that those really helped me to who I am as a counselor today. And I know that other people who identify themselves as counselors, therapists, whatever that looks like, even if they don't have the same credential as me, I'm not diminishing the fact that their experiences, their education, the areas of specializing they have are still very valid and very cool. It's just, are they covered by benefits? Are they going to take care of their patients or their clients in, in the way that they should? And it's the people who fall between the cracks take advantage of yeah. the, that capability that that irk me. Yeah, it's like the classic of the small minority totally. of people who, yeah, then make things like regulation feel like a necessity. Totally. Yeah, rather yeah. than just like self-regulation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess one thing as well is, Maybe it's even just important to talk about, like, what is counselling mm-hmm. <laughs> in in general? Because, like, we say, like, it's probably going to be pretty unique. But, yeah, like, what what does even the word counselling mean to you? Yeah, totally. I And I love that this is a good question because, and if you're a listener and you're thinking to myself, like, I always wondered that maybe I'm weird. You're not. Every single time someone, at, when, and when I explain to somebody that I am a counsellor, every single time, if it's a person I don't know, they're like, what kind of counselor because I think it's really important to be able to describe like what types of counseling I do but the overall generalization of counseling is to try and target whatever things that are causing you distress um, can if they're a registered like trauma therapist they can be trained in certain different ways to help target your trauma and the, the associations of your thoughts that come along with trauma Yes, it's a lot of talking. It's usually talking. But if you think about like so, like TV shows and things where there is a person um, asking them questions, movies and TV shows are great references because there's usually unethical things <laughs> happening in those relationships, but I digress. But it is basically just talking to a professional, helping you kind of sort through whatever's happening inside of you to be able to get a better quality of life. I always want, my goal is always to try and get people to a place where they feel okay. Yeah or better. <laughs> well, and I think what you said about how it's represented in media is actually really important because I have definitely had a lot of rants on this podcast about different things that when they were showing, like we had some episodes on like relationships and I had a big old rant about the notebook and how that's not yes. a healthy relationship. Um, we did, we've spoken about horror movies and mm-hmm. the way that that stigmatizes like mental health, right? And I think I think you're right. I think the way that counseling and just like and sitting and talking with a professional, the way it is shown on TV and in movies does not help 
people access support that they might want and need it makes it this way more scarier thing and I think it also makes it seem like it's this thing that either people go to because they they've been forced to Mm -hmm. or that it's like something you only go to when you're like really really low or experiencing like really 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 hard stuff yes and that's not always the case no and that's I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's not the only reasons that people seek therapy it's not only because they're feeling thoughts of suicide or homicide or acting out of character it can be I'm struggling with a difficult life transition that's what I specialize in you're going through a life transition you don't know who you are anymore you're really questioning who you are because you've been in a certain type of way for so long and now you're going through this change that's my jam I love helping people through that kind of stuff because you it is so scary you just counselors help it so that you're not feeling so isolated and alone and you don't have to worry about a judgment from us our goal is to support you and help you to make decisions that are right for your needs yeah I think that yeah and that's huge and and also what you just see on tv I think is just someone sat in a comfy chair mm-hmm. with somebody else laid out on the sofa yeah the freud version exactly. of therapy yeah and the only question that the counselor asks is how do you feel about that yeah how does that make you feel yeah and whenever I actually say it to a client I look at them and they look at me and I'm like yeah I did it I did it I did that I'm sorry <laughs> but Freud actually I, I got questions about his his modalities but one of the things was is don't look at me it was like a no eye contact kind of thing with your counselor there was like that disconnect um which I don't do I, I, I'm sat across from my clients and that is how most therapists and counselors are yeah that's really interesting mm-hmm. I guess one thing to kind of think about is if all counseling is not the same mm-hmm. but it's hopefully always there to like improve the quality of life for someone how can someone even just think about how to find a counselor because I know I have found like found it overwhelming mm-hmm. so this is it's it's not bad because otherwise I'm uh tell myself off or something that I don't need to but <laughs> <laughs> but so there's been times where I'm like, I think I'm going to seek counselling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have just been so overwhelmed by the process mm-hmm. that I am then just like, you know what, I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired by this. I am just going to leave it for another day. And to the point where I still have never been to a counselling session because I'm always like, I, I start and then I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. Um, especially working in mental health. I'm like, oh, well, the few people who do now, I actually no professionally and now like personally totally so I'm like oh, I kind of don't want to go see that totally um, no offense Paige um, <laughs> I was gonna say I was like we can turn this into a counseling session we can really give exactly. us a, a really embraced moment here <laughs> like what to expect well just listen to just listen life. in <laughs> but it's like you you type in like counseling Kelowna mm-hmm. and then it's just like result after result after result and it's like I don't even know where to start, like, wading through that or, like, working out, okay, like, I think this is the type of counselling for me or do you have, like, any top tips on, like, where to start or? Yeah, I've got lots of different tips because I, too, have had the same frustration. I know how to navigate the mental health system and I still struggle to navigate the mental health system. It is so frustrating that we don't have like a triaging process just in the province where a person can call and say like look I'm seeking a counselor these are the things that I'm struggling with and who can you connect me with who is currently accepting clients that's the other big thing most of the google searches the ones that are up at the top are the ones who are full their wait lists are full so you're going to get on five or six wait lists and wait around for a counselor to get in touch with you when seven eight nine or like way even below because my my counseling company is called another chapter counseling and i specifically put counseling in the name so if first a person googled counseling that i could come up but that's so ugh. it feels <laughs> icky having to do something like yeah. that versus they're just being just pages available here she is yeah have a 15 minute consult that's the one thing i also recommend to people sometimes we know that we need help but we don't know exactly what we need help with yeah 
And one of the ways to kind of start looking into different counselors is going to the 15 minute free consultations that a lot of them do offer so that you even know if you like the vibe of your counselor or if they have social media. I have TikTok, Instagram, people follow me and then they can know what what I'm like yeah. as a person and if they vibe with my vibe. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. What would be the most important things for even me to be thinking about? Because some people, maybe I'll just naturally click with them, but mm -hmm. also if I'm very anxious, I don't click with anyone. <laughs> Not true. You have friends. I know, but like, I'm thinking if I'm like really anxious, if I'm really mm -hmm. on edge, I overthink everything that I'm mm -hmm. saying. Um, and I definitely don't put myself out there in a way where I maybe might naturally click with somebody, if that makes sense. Totally. And that's why I love the 15 minute consultation. Yeah. Um, and even sometimes the first session doesn't feel very natural because you're getting to know each other. You're also disclosing all your stuff. Right. So the first session can feel like just like this dump of information. Well, for me, I'm just absorbing it all and just so intrigued to hear the person's story. I am one of those counselors. I am in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so passionate about what I do. And but people will walk away and be feeling like, oh, you know, like, oh, I just feel like that was a mess. And and I'm always very um, feedback focused. I'll, I'll touch base with people. How did you feel about our session today? Did, did we go in a direction you felt was a good one for you? What can what can I do to make it more comfortable next time? Like I'm very trauma informed that way in trying to bring as much comfort as I can. Yeah, because everyone's different. Everyone's anxieties and comforts are different. Yeah. And I guess even maybe that's something we can go in to that 15 minute consultation mm -hmm. and push ourselves to say, like, hey, I feel really anxious about this. How are you mm -hmm. going to support me through that? Yes. Like, how are you going to make this a safe space for me to be a little anxious being? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, what what are you going to do to support me with that? Totally. And I often tell people because a lot of people do come to me for the first time or even worse. And I really want to acknowledge the, the bravery that comes from people who have had a bad experience with a counselor and reach out for help again. The horror stories that I have heard are truly, truly horror stories. And I'm not saying that to scare people. I'm saying that you're not alone if that's what happened to you and that there are good counselors out there who will provide you with a space that is safe. And that is what our goal should always be. And most counselors that I know and associate myself with are very open to feedback of if I've made someone uncomfortable, I'd love to know because I want to help and I want to support in the way that person needs. But anxiety is a tricky thing. We all have different things that are going to help bring us soothing. Like I've got a counseling light that changes colors versus a clock. So the person doesn't have to stare at a clock the whole time or I don't have to look at a clock. But I posted that on TikTok and I had lots of people give me their opinion on that uh, like tons were like that is so great I'm totally gonna get one I'm gonna ask my counselor for one and other people are like that's anxiety provoking I hate it yeah and I was like okay great such great feedback I'm so glad now I can let people know that this is an option not a requirement yeah and just shift what I do I, I think that's a huge thing as well though is having a counselor where that's their 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 point of view of it's an option not mm -hmm. a requirement there is nothing worse than being told no you have to do this because then it's like okay like well now this is absolutely petrifying yep and I don't want to do it yeah there's nothing collaborative about that right yeah. like and I'm I like if I were to describe my type of counseling I'm very person-centered which means I meet you with where you're at I will go the direction that is required to meet what your needs are, but I'm also trauma-informed, which means that I recognize that we all have differing levels of traumas and things that have happened in our lives that contribute to how we act and react to our present. And so I want people to know, and I always tell my clients, if there's anything I can do to make you more comfortable, if there's anything in my office I can change to make you more comfortable, please let me know because I want them to know that it's a safe place to practice that skill of boundary setting, letting someone know, oh, I'm not cool with that. Yeah. Yeah, make it that safe space to be the first time someone goes, oh, no, I don't like that. Yeah, and if I say something that's, like, completely off, the moment, when I know I'm working with a people pleaser, the moment I say something and they're like, you know what, that doesn't resonate, I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes look at you go yeah. and I I celebrate it within myself I don't make a big deal in the session but I get so excited for them because it's they're feeling safe enough to start 
kind of going against what they think they should be saying yeah and start really embracing what they feel yeah that's huge mm-hmm. oh yeah and it must be oh I'm just even thinking about like it I guess it's really important as well to find like a counselor that just really aligns with your values as well and maybe that's a question to ask as well of like okay like what are your personal values mm-hmm. um because if they do not match, I'm imagining that's not going to be a great fit. Mm-mm. And that's such a great question. That's a really great point because there's this idea in our profession that we do not disclose anything about ourselves. We have been depersonalized for years. Of we're just these like robotic humans um, that we don't share opinions. We don't share anything about our lives. And I have some ethical concerns about that because if I were, say, um, really politically affiliated with this one group, and my client was completely on the opposite spectrum of that that political affiliation. If they ever saw anything I ever put out into the world that was the opposite, then that person might be like, oh, my God, like, what have I done? Who have I been seeing? So I believe if a, if a client asks me about my values in regards to how I treat my clients, if they ask me my pol- political opinion, they're welcome to hear it. Not that I would go overboard, but I feel if that is important for them or if someone's like, I just need to know that you're going to give me gender affirming care or that you're going to be supportive of my sexuality. Yeah. I will let them know. The answer is always yes. I will support them for whatever they need, but I welcome questions. Yeah. And I feel like, I think for me, like not well, if if I was asking those questions and I really wasn't getting anything back, I'd be like, okay, like I don't think you're Mm -hmm. the one for me. Totally. Um. Because that would be, like, really important for me. Even, like, I am, like, a cisgender straight white woman. Mm-hmm. But if my counsellor showed judgment towards non-cisgender people mm-hmm. um, or, yeah, just all, all different things that, like, I still really value people mm-hmm. having safe environments for, I'd be like, okay, like, yeah, I don't think. Even though maybe the way that I present myself is maybe acceptable to you that that doesn't make me feel safe if right. that makes sense totally makes sense and that's what those questions being asked should be about is creating that sense of safety and like do you align like will you're you're basically asking the questions to give yourself the best possibility of having a good therapeutic relationship mm-hmm. where you will vibe on the same level because you do have similar thoughts and values in the world yeah also i guess makes sense and because if we're like supporting someone with to try and like support themselves to like have the best quality of life right and maybe that includes like finding solutions together and collaborating on things if you're at least coming from the same direction mm-hmm. they're gonna be the best possible ways of supporting ourselves right where instead if we're like butting heads on what is going to be important what works yeah then that's just going to be tiring to say the least and it's going to betray your trust in the system as well because there's there's also this idea in the world that every counselor is going to be able to provide the same quality of care for every single person they see i do my absolute best to be the best counselor for each person i see but i always know as well when i'm like you know what i don't think that person's vibing with me as well as they might vibe with another person and we continue to go forward and we can evaluate that if it ever were to be an issue. But I, I get the vibe when it clicks just so naturally. And the other times where it's just a bit more difficulty, not from like a bad perspective, but just from the, it's a word am I even trying to think here? It, it You need to put more work into it. It's not as natural. It's just yeah. not as natural. That makes sense. Yeah. So interesting. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, it makes sense. Like it's humans supporting humans at the end of the day. And that just makes it so unique and so complex mm-hmm. where every single person is going to be bringing different things to the table and want very, very different things mm-hmm. and maybe not know what they want as well. I think that's also what makes it really difficult in in maybe finding that right counsellor is not knowing what we want and even just knowing, like, I know I need to speak to someone, but I just don't even know what about. I just, yeah, like... And good counselors will help you find that out. Like yeah. I, my some of my favorite sessions, all my sessions are my favorite sessions. Are <laughs> kidding me? But like some of the ones that are the coolest are the ones where a person comes in, they're like, I have no idea what to talk about today. And then we just get into a conversation and then suddenly 
there is something to target. Mm -hmm. And it's not even like, a, like, yeah, let's target that. It just kind of continues to flow. And then the person's like, I didn't even know that that was something that was really weighing on me. But now that I do, I can address it. Yeah. So you're not creating problems for yourself, but you're kind of giving yourself that space to think above and beyond more. I actually recently saw a video on Instagram of a counselor that I really like. And she was saying how she's in a very good place in her life right now. So she doesn't have any traumas to be targeting. And she was talking with her counselor and she's like, wow, I actually can work on all the other stuff, like just my automatic negative thoughts. And I can work on some of these, these self-image issues. I don't have to be focusing on the big stuff, which is magical. <laughs> That's yeah. magical. That, and even I think it was we had a guest on called Travis and he was talking about men's mental health, which mm -hmm. was really interesting. And he was talking about how for ages he didn't go to counseling um, because he was like, well, there's nothing major mm -hmm. going on mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. And then he got it. He started getting it free with work. And he was like, well, I might as well if it's free. Like, why not? And then he was like, oh, I realized that it can also just be about maintenance. Oh, absolutely. Like maintaining the fact that I feel pretty good at life right now. Mm -hmm. And preventative. Yeah. It can be preventative where if you have family members who struggle with mental health and if you're able to access services at a younger age and get a very good experience with like a therapeutic relationship, you can learn so much in what you can bring into your adulthood. Or that's why. So the, the internship I did was with Third Space um, Charity in, in Kelowna here. And we work with the age group of 18 to 29. And it was so wonderful to work with this group because there's so much curiosity and intrigue and willingness to try new stuff. And when we hit a certain age, we can get very stuck in our ways and it can make it more difficult for us to make a shift because we're used to one certain set point or one, yeah. one way of being. But yeah, so if you can get into it just, just to see how you can benefit yeah great now here's a question for you <laughs> um it just came to my head actually came to my head came to my mind because this is something that a few people have said to me before when they've just been talking about like having some hard things with their mental health for a long time and two things come to my mind is one thing that gets really commonly said to me is like oh well I just wish I could like I just want to take a tablet and that will make everything better mm -hmm. and how sometimes it's not so simple and counseling can be helpful mm -hmm. but then also another common thing that gets said to me a lot is well I'm doing okay and I basically don't want to like open up mm -hmm. everything and then mm -hmm. feel worse because of it mm-hmm both valid points. <laughs> I'm just like I, I guess like from your point of view, either what would be your response to that or just like your thoughts around that. Totally. If someone was kind of like that was their main concern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if, if I address the first piece, like as a nurse, like meds is kind of the jam that happens in hospitals. There's a high encouragement, if not forceful, um, medication administration. And so I recognize and acknowledge the benefits of meds for sure. Do I think we over-medicate? 100%. We absolutely do. And the reason is, is because there's a convenience to it. And also we've been conditioned to think that it's pills that are what's going to help us. Yeah. That's just our societal conditioning. Well, pills can be helpful. Antidepressants, like I'm a person who's on antidepressants. I'm a huge advocate for, for medication use. But I also know that there's only so far a pill will ever get me. And when they've looked at research, it can't get me past like 60% better functioning. And also, there's been some very interesting research coming out lately, where like when I did my psych degree, we were taught that some people just the way that their brains were wired meant that they had lower levels of certain neurotransmitters, mm -hmm. which is why they experienced some mental health challenges like depression. Mm -hmm. So all that they needed would be to take some antidepressants. Just that chemical imbalance. Yeah, and some <laughs> very interesting research has been coming out that that's not true. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the case. So even like if we're going in with that mindset, like research is showing actually that's not the full story. Mm -hmm. um, 
so like you say again medication is maybe not going to be the perfect answer for that totally i i like to think of meds especially antidepressants like i likely will be on antidepressants for my entirety of my life and if that's the case it is what it is but i do all the stuff in between of trying to build my quality of life and i'm very strength-based i try and add things that bring more joy and um i'm i'm super duper wildly busy in my life right now which makes that more difficult but then that is now reminding me the importance of that too and when we're in when we're in our muck when we're in this deep crappy space it is so hard to think that it's even possible to feel joy mm-hmm. and remind ourselves that there's something outside of our mental illness and it sucks it sucks so much, but yeah, we, we still have to add those additional elements. I like to think of meds as like the boost to get us back to a better quality of life. Yeah. And those can always be adjusted yeah. as needed with doctors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the big one. With the support from a medical professional. Yeah. yeah. And like a few, like, um, a really close friend of mine worded it to me one time and I think it's a really great way for people to help visualize it is they find that medication just creates that extra like breathing space mm-hmm. to then be able to do those pieces that you are talking about of like maybe trying to find that little bit of joy, yeah. trying to find some different supports for ourselves and that when they don't have their medication, it kind of takes away it that extra space, that mm-hmm. extra tiny little bit of energy or resources that they have to be able to do those other things that will help them feel better in the long run. Totally. Hopefully. Totally. Because when my depression hits, I have no energy, zero motivation, irritability up the wazoo. So those things impact my ability to go do the other things that would make me feel better. Yeah. So without it, it does set me back. Yeah. And so that's a great, that's the breathing room. I, I love that. And the other thing with pills too, benzos, um, Ativan, Xanax, those kind of things have been very popular over the past however many years. And now they're really reducing them substantially because they're recognizing how dangerous they are in our system. That when we know that there's something that we can take that instantly takes that anxiety away, because Ativan, it feels great because it does. It takes the world from feeling too big to being reality or sleepy. (laughs) And so I understand why we want to use them because we don't want to be sitting within what we're experiencing. But every single time we distract from that, we are not processing what we're experiencing and that just hangs out in our body. Yeah, it's it's still there. It's still there. We're just taking ourselves away from it for a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's still going to be sat there. Yeah. Waiting for us. <laughs> it's just chilling. <laughs> just chilling. Just chilling out in there. Love and then it. you then have a big reaction to a small thing later because that thing was never dealt with. Yeah. Which I'm the queen of. <laughs> we are all very good at that. <laughs> the amount of times where, like, it always comes out when I'm cooking. And I'll just really? like, oh, yeah, because I don't like cooking anyway. And I find I find cooking a little bit anxiety-provoking because I'm not very good at it anyway. Um, so then, yeah, it'll be the classic of, like, the build-up and the build-up and the build-up of things that I'm just, like, choosing to, to ignore yeah. or just not recognizing. And then all of a sudden, I will just, like, fully break down yeah and about something really really minor and I'm like okay well let's have a think about what's been going on over the past few days or whatever what's it is happening in here yeah <laughs> I've uh I've slowly been learning about myself but that's great that awareness to recognize like and that's the thing is counselors help us recognize our patterns yeah. as well and be able to kind of be more mindful of when you're having these negative thoughts or you're having these emotional moments, what is what is happening? That's a good point. It's, it's great to know those things because then you can start to be like, okay, so when I'm cooking, because of cooking, I'm, it's not for me either. But for me, I need to be alone in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm very particular. <laughs> I need to be alone in the kitchen and I like to be watching a show because it kind of gets me out of my head and gets me out of the, I need to cook right now because I need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and even, like, it helps with, like, and that's, again, where a counselor can come in with supporting with that, like, naming of things Mm -hmm. and being able to go, like, this is what's going on. Because when we're actually able to name it, it gives us a little bit of agency over it. Like, if I can go, I am stressed or I am anxious, I am sad, I am angry, whatever it is, then that gives me a choice of, like, well, what do I want to do with anger right now? Mm -hmm. Like, do I want to scream into a pillow? Do I want... (laughs) <laughs> to do something that might bring that down like what is it 
Whereas instead, if I don't label it, then it will eventually just come out in some form of behavior. Mm -hmm. Yes. So having someone support through that, because it's not an easy thing to do. No. It's huge. Well, and it's scary to think that, like, the thing that I really like to be able to, to tell people, especially with their negative thinking patterns, gosh, we're mean to ourselves. And we think some very awful things that, that about, like, our world and what's going to happen. And, like, our brain is preparing us for the worst in so many circumstances. And I frequently give people um, a PDF about, like, cognitive distortions or the other name for it, thought traps. So that they can name what types of thinking they're having, but not only just to be able to name it, but also know, oh, other people think this way. Other people do this too, because anxiety, depression, the whole spectrum of mental illnesses are so isolating. Yeah, they're so isolating. Yeah, and it's it's so common so often, all the different things that are going through our head. Well, I'm the only person who feels this way, or Mm -hmm. I'm the only person who does this, whatever it is. Frequently, so many people mm-hmm. are in the same boat. Yes. Or similar boat. Yeah. They're, <laughs> I've met very few people who've never experienced anxiety. And even <laughs> when people are like, I don't know what anxiety is. I'm like, have you ever needed to pee while you were driving and you got stuck in traffic and you felt a little bit like, oh, good. That's anxiety. <laughs> you actually have experienced an anxious moment. So we're, yeah. none of us are immune from it. Anxiety is a protector. Yeah. Anxiety is a warning sign that it, whether it's real, that something real we have to be worried about or whether it's just our mind creating a story yeah. to be worried about. Story. They are so interesting. I love the mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my se- my second question was around when folks are like, I am kind of getting by mm-hmm. right now. I know I'm not 100%. I know I could do better. I know that maybe I should seek some mm-hmm. support, but I just don't want to unbottle it all. Totally fair. There's definitely that thing of like, well, as soon as I start talking about it, I'm going to feel worse. Mm-hmm. And that's probably exactly what can happen. Um, because when we open that can of worms, the worms come out and then we're all of a sudden acknowledging something that we have pushed really deep down inside of us, something that we have numbed ourselves to. Then suddenly we're talking about it and having a counselor asking us to name it. But there's different trauma therapies now that make it so that that, that sensation isn't as strong. So one example is EMDR. So eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, I'm pretty sure is it's a long one. <laughs> but you are actually doing something with the counselor that also is kind of removing the strength of the stimulation and keeping you in the present moment. Because what happens is sometimes when we open up a, a traumatic incident, our body will go back into that space of feeling what you felt in that moment. So if you have a good trauma-informed therapist, they're going to actually encourage you not to go into a deep dive until you feel a sense of safety within yourself and know how to restabilize. That's pretty cool. But you can also go to somebody and say, hey, look, like I've got a trauma history. I'm doing actually pretty good. I don't want to actually go down this road yet, but I do know I want to kind of talk about my current stressors. That is also 1,000% an option. And if your counselor doesn't respect that, that's a red flag. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and I think that's something that people don't necessarily consider, though, is that, like, oh, I don't have to talk about that. You don't have to talk about it. I don't want anyone to talk about anything with me they don't feel comfortable talking about. And, I mean, I know that discomfort comes from certain conversations, but I never want a person to feel that they have to have a discussion with me because... Trauma comes from a space of not having control in a situation. You couldn't run, you couldn't fight, or you had to freeze. And that's our nervous system doing whatever it needs to do to survive in that moment. Your control is removed. And I do not want to take anyone's control from them in my sessions. Yeah. The person attending should be in control of the... Yes. Yeah. The whole session, pretty much. Yep. And if they want to not go into a topic area... That's okay. But I have heard lots of people disclose that they kept being pushed. Like, you're still not getting better because you're not going here. And I understand, but at the same time, you can look at other ways to get that person to 
maybe process a thought that could be associated with that trauma, but not having to go into the dirty details of that experience. It's, yeah. it's, it's a myth that you have to say all the details of what happened to you. Which I think is good for people to know. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a newer thing, though. Like Because talk therapy for trauma was something that was highly encouraged forever. Like Talk the crap out of it and desensitize yourself to it. That usually actually meant that people were going into like a numbing phase. Well, yeah, and also, like, there's been people I have supported and not through, like, a counselling role, but when I've been in, like, in my advocacy role and providing, like, practical support for people, there's been some people that I've worked with where they've been kind of forced to talk through their trauma so frequently that that is the only thing that they now know how to identify with. Yeah. Like, they view themselves as their trauma Mm -hmm. and can't see any way past that. Um, which that means everything is terrifying because their view is, well, everything in my life will be trauma in some shape or form. Yeah. And that must just be a petrifying way to live your life. Well, and then it keeps you in a victim state. Yeah. It doesn't make you feel like a survivor. Unless you're coming forward and when you talk about your trauma, you're talking from it from a place of, like, strength. Because there's something called post-traumatic growth. Where we find meaning in what we've experienced. And that comes with everybody's own time. There should never be a forced, like, you need to find meaning. Like, it's not one of those types of things. But it is possible to use whatever traumas you've had to bring you growth into your future. Even any of the things that I've experienced, I utilize that as a counselor from, like, this deep compassion I have for people who've experienced similar if not worse things than I've experienced and it's just one of those things that like that's where my growth has come in I can help people with what I've experienced but I also like the use of the word growth Mm -hmm. because I have definitely experienced some like trauma and I find it I, I don't know the best word to describe it to be honest I don't know if frustrating is a word or it makes me really angry when people like you should be grateful mm. for your for your trauma because of where you are like mm-hmm. the things that you have like grown in because of that experience and I'm like well I'm not grateful for what happened to me totally. like but that more of the view of like okay like I have grown from that and there are strengths that I have that maybe I would have still found other ways to grow in mm-hmm. or not I don't know but it's a lot I don't know it's a lot more open way and nicer way of thinking about it because I also think it's very person focused that growth like you mm-hmm. have grown rather than it being like this external thing of like you should be grateful too yes well because I- that's the thing about gratitude too and that's why it is so triggering for so many people is because there's this idea of just like look for the positives like look for the good things that happen what happened to you was not good period yes but if it has led you to a better perspective in something later down the road or a way that you're able to bring yourself into the world in another way um there's really good books about post-traumatic growth um one is flourish by martin seligman he's the um the creator of positive psychology which also is a terrible word because it's not like toxic positivity it's not it's about adding positive things into your life but gratitude is part of it but you are not being grateful for what bad has happened to you you're being grateful for what things are good Mm -hmm. in your world but I totally hear exactly like growth to me also feels really gentle and gives it an opportunity to be like I get to grow up my pace yeah it definitely it like celebrates the the things that you uh, have like being able to do and continue to do Mm -hmm. right because it takes courage a lot of courage to move past oh 100 percent. i think it's almost like worth is thinking about okay like what are the what are the green flags for me like Mm -hmm. what are the things where i'm like oh yes i like that and then what are my like personal red flags and like am i gonna like do i feel judged when i say i'm Say someone's like I'm in a polyamorous relationship and what's that person's response right mm-hmm. if they get a little bit tense at the idea then maybe we're not the you know it's not the counsel for us totally. um even things like looking at what like their accessibility is or whether they can meet any specific accommodations that you have right if they can't then 
that's like, okay, no, you're not the one for me, right? Well, and even just asking someone, have you worked with this before? Yeah. Is this something life. that you have? And I've had people who, um, like I do a group for Mamas for Mamas every month. And I made it very clear um, when I asked the organization if I could do this, I was like, I, I'm not a mom. I don't want to be a mom. Is that okay? And they're like, as long as you understand like a maternal instinct and like the importance of what these women are doing. I was like, oh, you know, that's why I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, thank you for your service. Like, you yeah. guys are growing the population. Thank you. Um, but it, but someone else might be like, you know what? I wouldn't like her as a counselor because I need someone who understands what it means to be a mom. Yeah. And I would completely understand that. Yeah. And I think, and I think if the person, if the, like the counselor can't understand that, then it's like, okay, yeah, definitely not the one Red for flag. me. Yeah. yeah. Cause we don't know everything. We will never know everything. It's impossible for us to know everything. And maybe that also is a reminder, though, to people who are maybe thinking about going to counselling, is that gentle reminder of, like, they might not have the answer to what you want. Yeah. Especially if I'm thinking about some folks where they'd be like, I just want to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. I just want to be, I want to be able to go in with, like, this is what's stressing me out or whatever. Yeah. I want someone to just go, Okay. You need to do one, two, three, and it's going to be okay and perfect. Yeah. Um, and I'm presuming that's not necessarily how it's going to go. Oh, we can't give straight <laughs> up advice. Like if someone's so, so for example, like and I know the frustration that comes along with this, because when you go to a professional, you're hoping they're going to give you an answer. It's not the same as if you go to a bank and they're like, yeah, this is how much you can get a mortgage for um, with us. You are the expert in your world. You know you better than anybody. So I can make a suggestion and be like, do this. Is that going to really resonate with what you're actually going to do if you didn't come up with the idea on your own? Or what if I said something that you've tried before? Or I've said something that you're like, that is the complete opposite of what aligns with what I would ever do. Yeah. But if that's the type of counseling you want, you would want a solution-focused therapist where you can create solutions together. Yeah. And you can be very, like, forward-focused, homework-based. Yeah. Some people don't want homework. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but a lot of a lot of the in-between work, because you see us so infrequently. We're one hour, however frequently, right? You're doing all the work in between. So as long as in-between sessions you feel you're still doing something toward your, your well-being, then that's homework enough in my books. Yeah. So we've spoken about kind of some things to expect, things that maybe we can gain. Um, ways that we can work out whether a counselor is the right fit for us. How might we go about, or how would you suggest breaking up with a counselor? Ooh, I like this one. <laughs> so I'm just even thinking, like you've mentioned, like you've had some people who have like joined you mm-hmm. for counseling and have shared how maybe they have had some not so great experiences mm-hmm. before. Yeah how would you is there any like top tips that you would kind of say if someone's like you know what I don't this counsel is not for me yeah it's um ghosting is totally an option for a (laughs) professional you're allowed to ghost us so if you do not feel comfortable especially if your counselor made you feel unsafe Mm -hmm. you are not required to give them a reason why you're not showing up yeah unless your last session was about like a potential safety risk for yourself and you may want to let them know why you're not seeing them any longer um only because you don't want them to call the rcmp or something if you're if they're worried about your safety um but you're welcome to ghost us the other thing is uh, like an email even just saying like i'm feeling uncomfortable with our last session or i just don't think you're the counselor for me that's also a beautiful option because then it feels less awkward of having to do it over the phone some people will go right to session. I've never had someone come to session and break up with me before, but I mean, I'd welcome it totally. Um, I've terminated relationships with counselors um, because I felt like I was in a good place and no longer had to see them. But there's also been people where I was like, yeah, you're just not the right counselor for me. And I don't feel safe to be able to describe that to you because I've had the bad experiences as well. Yeah. And I knew I was a mental health professional. So I understand the risk associated with putting yourself out into the world because nobody's perfect, but I also have high standards for the counselors that I see, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I think that's fair. And I guess as well, like you mentioned before, how 
um, counseling. The term even isn't necessarily regulated, especially within VC and just like counseling as a profession isn't mm -hmm. necessarily regulated. So you mentioned if you wanted to make a complaint, mm -hmm. how would that work? And like, say I went to a session and maybe I was like, that was really unethical. Mm -hmm. um, and even actually, I'm just even thinking before I even say that, like I work in mental health. Mm -hmm. So there's a chance that I might be able to pick up on something a little bit more being unethical. Yes. But if I don't interact with the mental health industry and profession, how might I know if something's unethical? Like, I love that question. That is such a good question. Is that it, is so insightful. How do you, how do you know? So what comes to my head is, because uh, I only have ever been under um, BCACC is what our regulating body is in BC, or as regulated as we can be. They're an association on regulation, I should, I should preface that. But they do have our code of ethics. There, right. You can Google our code of ethics through BCACC. So when you are looking for a counselor, and even when you do a 15-minute consultation, if you email them to see if they can meet your needs, asking them what are who what association are you a part of? So that if there was ever a concern that you felt came forward within you, you would know where to look to see if that person might have been unethical, or at least you know where to go if that person has. It gives you a better sense of safety too, mm -hmm. right? Where you're like, oh, you mean I could bring forward a complaint about you? Because sometimes um, it's actually very frequent where people will come forward with an, an issue or concern and uh, they'll call BCACC or the CCPA, which is the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association outside of Ontario. Um, but the person won't be under either of them. And they'll be like, oh, did you try these guys? And they're not regulated by anybody. And so it's nice if you go into it knowing yeah. that they're regulated. Yeah, that makes sense. Or yeah. as regulated as we are. Yeah, and there's just like at least someone where you can be like, you, some way you can reach out to be like, hey, I want to make a complaint. Mm -hmm. right because otherwise and that because that then gives you a bit of your power right yeah. going into that session of knowing like okay like if something go something just doesn't feel right mm -hmm. there's an, another place I can go right yeah totally and when you were mentioning earlier too about like green flags and red flags like think of the people in your life who do you associate yourself with that brings you joy and and calm and like, those are your green flags. Those are some of the things you might want in a person. And then your red flags are, like, who are the people I avoid? What are the things that, that come up that I'm like, ugh, ick, no. So if you don't want to be told what to do, but your counselor is adamant that their way is the way, then you're like, uh, that doesn't sound right or ethical. You can look into what you can do about that. Yeah, amazing. And then, yeah, so I guess if someone is um kind of like with one of the associations that would be a way of like going to make a complaint yeah I guess outside of that well because then it would be on our record though too right yeah. like there I don't I've never had to make a formal complaint like no nobody's been unethical with me they've just been not the right match for me yeah but um I mean you could lose your license and if I were to lose my license as a registered clinical counselor I wouldn't be able to be covered by any of the the insurance companies or anything anymore i would just be naming myself as whatever yeah but then any client who came to me would not be protected other than to just sue me yeah it's wild it's wild it is it's like it's wild <laughs> yeah i hate it i wish everyone was regulated <laughs> it's so interesting because i've had a few conversations before with people about the pros of regulation and maybe like the cons of regulation mm -hmm. um and I think the main thing that it always boils down to when people talk about the cons of regulation is just sometimes it depends on the level of regulation, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. it can be extremely rigid and it stops people being able to create that uniqueness. Yeah. Um, and so really at the end of the day, it comes down to, like you say, it's those people who fall between the cracks who like take advantage of, of that system yeah. rather than the the rigidity of like regulation yeah and maybe i'm and i'm i not maybe i'm biased i am biased because i am a nurse yeah. and i am regulated and i've never had any issues with my regulatory bodies and i've been a nurse for over 13 years there's never been an issue with my practice though that's ever been brought forward to them so i haven't had to deal with them as um, an association that way but maybe it's way worse if there is a hand slap yeah i don't know 
but if I'm getting my hand slapped, it's for a reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I also I also have good self awareness of when I have acted out of like if I were to, I would have that awareness of the importance of a consequence. Well, and even just like the openness of like, all right, this is my opportunity to like learn from it and yes. grow from this. Yes. Um, rather than just being like, no. And like you say, that's when there's like 15 minute consultations at mm-hmm. minimum, right? To just really be putting the feelers out there, asking those important questions. And like you can prep for that 15 minute mm-hmm. consultation, right? You can really sit down and think, okay, like these are my check boxes. Yeah. And like almost like treat it like a bit of a, like you're interviewing the counselor, right? Yeah. Um, that's what it is. You yeah. are interviewing us. We're, we can then let you know whether we feel we can meet your needs. But that's what the 15-minute consultation is. I want to know what you're looking for. Like, I presume like, you would be open to this, but say someone was like, 15 minutes just doesn't feel long enough for mm-hmm. me. Like, I'm presuming that would be an option for someone to be like, actually, could I do like half an hour? Yeah, if they emailed me and I had the time in my schedule to do so, sure. Why yeah. not? And that often it does go over 15 minutes if I don't have a client coming up right after yeah. kind of thing. But if someone emailed me in advance, it's like, hey, I'm just kind of wondering, do you like this might actually go for half an hour? Then I would say, yeah, we might just have to rebook the time just because I don't have the capacity that day at that time yeah. for 30 minutes. Amazing. And I would just block it off. So I guess one of my, as we kind of finish up, is there any final things that you kind of want to talk about when it comes to counseling, approaching counseling, what to expect? there was any type of wisdom that I would put out into the world in regards to counselors is you want to find someone who you do feel comfortable with. I think that's really important because I've had the experiences of when I have felt really comfortable with someone right away. And I've had the experiences where I've given it a few tries and I'm like, I'm even more uncomfortable than I did when, than when I felt when I first came, but it's just really reading within yourself. If the person is, is meeting your needs. And that can be really hard because you've now just disclosed all of these different vulnerabilities to this one person. And now you don't want to work with them anymore. And maybe your benefits are about to run out or, um, or you just don't want to have to reopen that story again and have to get a new person to understand you. I understand exactly why people stay with the same person or whatever that looks like. But one of the things is if you can catch it sooner, if the person just doesn't align with what you need, the sooner the better. Yeah. And your counselor really should understand and support you if you say they're not the right person for you. If someone were to reach out to me and be like, you know what, girl, you're lovely, but you're not the right one for me, I would refer them to somebody that I know. Yeah. I would give them names. I'd be like, amazing. Here's a list of people that I really know and trust, and maybe you'll feel comfortable with them. Yeah. That makes total sense. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot to think about. Well, you wouldn't hang out with someone you don't like in yeah, your real sure. life, right? You know, like unless you had to, like through work or whatever, but you wouldn't call up a guy that you were just like, hey, I kind of only like you, but like three out of 10. You're like a three out of 10 on the scale of like aligning with me, but yeah. I'm still going to continue to see you. Oh, and pay you. Yeah. Whereas, like, <laughs> it's, it's your choice at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. It, all of it is, is your choice. So, and I think sometimes people just need to hear that like it's your choice whether you go there today it's your choice if you want to see that counselor again um and it's their choice when it's private counseling I understand the limitations in like association or like health authority counselors where you're you're assigned yeah someone but if you are able to still bring forward that that person is not for you at least you're speaking your truth to someone and my hope is that they reassign and and connect you with someone who's better suited yeah that makes total sense Ah, this conversation was great. I've enjoyed every (laughs) second of it. (laughs) Honestly, I think this is I think this is gonna be such a useful episode for so many people because it's really hard working out like what you want when it comes to counseling and even just yeah, even just trying to wade through all the information that there is out there. You know, it's nice that someone hopefully will listen to this episode and be like, all right, I'm I'm ready. Um, well, and if you read someone's website and you've see, found a counselor who's accepting people and you're just kind of curious, read their website, see what type of modalities they use and Google them mm-hmm. and find out more specific details. Yeah. Because it is, there's so much information out there. But if you find someone accepting someone, you're like, oh, I like their vibe. Then you can do a deeper dive and get a better understanding of what they could potentially help you with. Yeah, I like that. And even maybe you, maybe 
ladies start liking their vibe and then actually when you look at like what the area of speciality is mm-hmm. and what you're looking for isn't there you can still reach out me like any names that you would recommend for like this specific thing. yes yeah totally especially if you're with a company that has multiple counselors underneath their scope sometimes they actually do a little bit of a triaging process of like oh these are your issues and concerns this is um someone who you can see it's all about finding that perfect fit just finding that perfect fit and no counselor is no counselor is going to be the absolute like perfect Mm -hmm. fit but they can tick off the majority of your boxes and that's what you're hoping for yeah that at least the majority are getting ticked off yeah well thank you Paige you're welcome absolutely amazing um do you want to let people know about uh your practice sure yeah so i'm located in Kelowna, bc i do both in-person and virtual sessions virtual is has some limitations on who i can see but you can always reach out and ask um i can be found at anotherchapter.ca on instagram as well as tiktok i got the tiktok to I'm down to, with the cool kids i'm down with the cool kids <laughs> And also my website is www.anotherchapter.ca. I'm consistent. <laughs> I love it. It makes it easy. <laughs> so feel free to reach out. I, I'm always happy to um, to answer any questions that do come forward, especially through podcasts, which I have done multiple in the past. So if you do have questions, feel free to slide into my DMs. Thank you, Paige. This has been so great and informative. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> Um, well, thank you for listening, everybody. Um, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com. And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.